Thank you for downloading our podcast, Therapist Talking Therapy. I'm Martin Weaver. And I'm Nicholas Rose. In this podcast, to talk about boundaries and various uh, concerns with them, how we work with them in therapy. And um, I guess the, the first question might be, well, what do people mean? What do we mean as therapists by boundaries? And what do our clients understand and will have their own meaning? And what do, what do boundaries, when you hear the word boundaries, Nicholas, what does, what does that mean to you? I, I think it's a, a term which means, as you say, different things to different people. From a, from a therapy perspective, from my perspective, it, it's looking to see where, where people end up uh, with, with situations in their lives where things don't suit them necessarily. So someone might come for therapy saying, um, well, of course, I'm always tired because uh, I always have so much to do and that uh, people are always asking me to do things. And so it means I end up doing such a lot. Uh, and I'd like to say no, but I can't say no. So that, that's one example. Yes, boundaries, we'd be looking out for where, where people, are, I suppose, are struggling. Yeah, struggling. They'll, they'll be aware of a, 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 a concern and it may well be related to, to boundaries. Um, and I'm wondering if um, people have an experience of what we understand as boundaries, but perhaps have no concept or word, more of a sensation. It's kind of, they, knew who, they know who they are, their identity is set, and they know when um, things are not happening, when things are being um, violated perhaps, uh, because they get a sensation. And what that sensation actually is telling them is that a boundary has just been violated or maybe a boundary has been validated. People know who they are. They have a sense of their identity from these two kind of experiences. This is good for me and this feels good and I agree with this and that I don't agree with. Even if, as you say, they have habits that they get on with, that they exhibit, that they do, even through the discomfort. And what they don't recognise... And, uh, and I think there's a sort of... Um... Uh, a spectrum isn't there of of uh, boundary concerns from from uh, abuse and violence mm -hmm. through to yes d discomfort of maybe always saying yes to to the boss as opposed to saying no and and the degree to which uh, the boundaries are a problem d depends on the, the impact on the quality of life but what what uh, it, it brings brings us back to is uh, are we are we using ourselves to the the best of our abilities to know what what works for us and what doesn't as you were saying the kind of the the sense of self almost because um, that, that that makes me think about you talked then about you know these behaviours that we have and always saying yes and it occurs to me there's this whole conscious unconscious thing. How do we identify a boundary exists mm. when what we have as a, is a sensation? And perhaps for a number of our clients and people generally, maybe even ourselves, we have, if not retreated, then we've focused on our, our cognitions and our thoughts. And yet we're getting this physical sensation that we know is uncomfortable, but we're not connecting with it and recognizing that some kind of boundary has been uh, crossed. 
And so I'm wondering how, how you in therapy actually bring boundaries to, um, to consciousness, I guess, to clarity. Mm. With your client. Well, I, I look, I look at, um, I, I look at uh, boundaries from a whole range of perspectives. There's a, there are boundaries that um, are given to us externally. Mm-hmm. So there's laws, guidelines, agreements, kind of best practices, kind of, I don't like to use the words natural order, but, um, it, you know, there's something about how children uh, can end up parenting their parents, for example, and uh, how parents can end up uh, as sort of friends to their children and grandparents might end up taking the role of parents. And not to say that um, roles are ever fixed, but it's, it's whether they they work for the people or not. So there's well, that- kind of... That's the issue, isn't it? It's whether they work and how one recognises. Because working with people who've been abused, uh, with my clients, sometimes pleasurable things are still a breach of a boundary. And, and that um, brings us, I suppose, to risk and, and um, uh, consequences. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, that what, what, we, what we can hope to do is to be clear on our, our boundaries so that we can then make an informed choice about do, do, do we enter into business with our best friend? Um, do, do we say, yes, okay, I'll take on that extra committee um, role, even though I was thinking that maybe it might not be. So, so it's about calculated risk and consequences. And so we create, if we, it seems to me we're talking in fairly deep terms at the moment, so let's pull this back about a bit perhaps to people who coming into therapy would be faced with things that perhaps they wouldn't expect and it might be simple boundaries um, like you know the the time that we meet the cost of the therapy um, how we're going to engage and process the procedures perhaps of therapy and the expectations therefore Mm -hmm. of how the therapy is going to going to proceed and they're very external ones, aren't they? Uh, external ones, uh, yeah. So, so you're, you're, you're talking about how we, how we work with those, how we address those, uh, as, and when they, as and when they surface, reveal themselves to us. Well, initially, I think, well, initially I think we set them, don't we? Mm. We say we'll meet at this time. Mm. And, you know, if you're five or ten minutes late, there's a problem there. We'll agree this payment. And we'll look at either you will come and we'll have a conversation or you will come and we'll look at issue one, two and three. Uh, Or maybe clients will come along and say, Nicholas, I've got this anxiety, fix it for me. And there's a a boundary there about Mm -hmm. who has responsibility and how much control or influence does a therapist have over the behaviours of their client. Mm. Where's the boundary of responsibility or how is the boundary of responsibility shared mm. between therapist and client? And those are the things that I think that are mm. visible and conscious. Yeah. And then I think the things you're talking about where people have these habits that have these discomforting sensations are where these boundaries then become, um, un- or are they are unclear. And unclear and unhelpful for them. Yes. Yeah. And cause pain. Yeah. And so there's this kind of who sets the initial boundaries 
of our working practice, the framework, if you like. And I often ask my clients, you know, this is how we want to, how we need to work. Is there anything you want to propose or suggest? Mm. Um, I know that some therapists want to meet at the same time on the same day, every day, of the, well, not every day of the week or possibly, but every week. Mm. And yet some clients of mine who worked in, um, as medics, emergency services, who have jobs who are not as regular, mm. then have different timings. Mm. And so the boundaries then have to shift. And it's how flexible we can be in that sense to hold the client through that, that situation where necessary. Um, uh, yes, yeah. Uh, because, of, what, of course, what we've got is we've got um, two, two people with differing boundaries potentially coming together. And so what, what, can, uh, what can work for both? what can be tolerated for both sometimes maybe um, and, and what can fit together but there, there's there is about navigating getting two sets of boundaries working together and so some therapists might say oh i can only work uh, at the same day and time every week and other therapists would say well let's let's see if we can match our diaries each week or would, would you like what you know what would you what would you like to to do uh, would you like to what when would you like us to meet how often would you like us to meet how long would you like us to meet for mm. um but yes the that, that then comes back to us as to uh, as therapists what what's my boundary here what 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 can i be competent with and it's kind of an ethical thing as well for us isn't it to say is this something that um that i am certain can can be helpful or, or can work. Um, have I got experience of this? Um, have I done this before and it it didn't go well or it did go well? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we, we look back to our own boundaries and we look for, we look for our sensations of um, comfort or discomfort to, to help us with, with setting. I remember setting that in the offer. in the AIDS days, uh, some clients would say. And understandably, this has to be completely confidential. Of course, in a normal therapeutic process, that's absolutely fine. And we agree with our clients that what, they, what happens in the therapeutic conversation stays with there, with there unless both therapist and client decide that somebody else, a GP or somebody else needs to know, and then it, that, that is managed. But in the AIDS world, I do remember um, in the NHS, a couple of people saying, nobody must know my diagnosis of, of AIDS. And I had to say to them, well, that's all very well. And we can do that, except that it then limits the service that we can provide for you. Unless we can share this information with other professionals who will hold the same boundary of confidentiality, we can't provide you with a service that we think is best for you. Mm. And so then there's that negotiation. Now, it doesn't happen a lot, but there is something there about recognizing the boundary acknowledging the effect that it has on the therapeutic process and then i guess coming to an agreement between therapist and client as to what the boundary will then be mm. and of course organizations can often set boundaries based on what they see as best practice or um uh, how best to provide a holistic service yeah. In, in private practice, of course, we, we, 
we uh, can set our own policies and, and boundaries depending on uh, yeah what what we feel is is within our competences and uh, in our areas of comfort yeah um, and there are those external ones the laws and the laws of the land and the the ethical codes beyond which perhaps we have to attend to mm. that we may or may not agree with and that our clients may not even know about mm. so that yeah, brings us perhaps to the next one you know if it's set partly externally and partly between the client and the therapist what happens when they're broken well, I, I suppose as we as we go through in any relationship situations come up where it, it, there can be difficulty around uh, how two people can can work together um, or a situation where um, uh, what what uh, what the expectations are aren't actually what can happen so um, and of course uh, the, the way in which we act together the habits we form that they become almost unconscious boundaries that um, we, if uh, if we meet a, a friend on a Tuesday for coffee every Tuesday and then one Tuesday uh, we're not available the friends not available suddenly there's a kind of a rupture there uh, and that needs to be navigated and, and uh, say, well, I thought we always met on Tuesdays. Well, we never actually said that we met on Tuesdays, but we've always met on Tuesdays. Um, and so, uh, yes, just needs to be navigated. And, and of course, there can be, I, I always like to, to think about how um, understandings, if you like, can come into, into being. And, and then there's something about... Uh, kind of compassion around those really that we we do attach to our our habits and to our uh, uh, our behaviors uh, and uh, yeah and often they're for very good reasons of course so i can remember being in in situations whereby working with my clients i can see a kind of rupture coming mm. and the client is getting angry or defensive or withdrawing and therefore it's about for me it's about the boundary therefore tells me that something else is going on mm. i may have missed something or there may be this kind of landmine that neither of us know about mm. and having that the willingness i think um one of the things i'll probably say again and again in these podcasts is um our clients take a huge risk in coming to see us mm. what risk are we willing to take and it seems to me that in some of these boundary issues you know, we're so hidebound in some respects by our contracts and our ethics and all laws and things that we're quite contained. And our clients may not be so well contained. And therefore, the, the risk for my work is I can see this coming. I can see a boundary here is about to be crossed. Either I'm crossing it or the client is. So let's do this and let's comment on this. Do I allow the boundary rupture to happen and then say, oh, OK, so what just happened there? Or do I say something appears to be happening here that's uncomfortable for either both of us or one of us? And I wonder what that is. So I don't know whether you have the same kind of process that allows it to happen perhaps in order to use that as a, as a learning process and a healing process, but possibly. I like to, um, to offer my observations as, as, 
as I go along, I suppose. And one of the things I I, I always say to clients at the start is that um, that yes, I'll be I'll be attending to, to what happens between us, and I will offer uh, my my experience of us being together over time. And of course, it's coming from me, and it's um, it, there may be an opinion there, but uh, if it resonates, then great. If if it doesn't, uh, then yeah, maybe it's not relevant. Um, but it may come up if it comes up again and again. Then we we return to it. So I I like to I, I like to say about things as I go along. I suppose. Yes. Yeah. I, I think, um, for, for, yes, I, I think um, there's something about how painful things can be potentially. And uh, so if I see something coming up, I think, as you say, then it, to, to, to point it out um, and to uh, also, of course, to demonstrate that really what's important is that things are able to be spoken about. That uh, yeah, the, the things that may not have been voiced before are actually, if, if it's there, then yes, we speak about it. Um, the sense I get, and by the felt sense, rather mm. than the interpreting sense, <laughs> as you're talking there, I was thinking about it appears or seems to me as if I'm willing to be engaged in the process and you're kind of observing the process. Now, that may be unfair from my perspective or wrong, simply wrong interpretation. Um, but it seems to me you're perhaps more detached, more separate, observing this process that's going on between you. Whereas I guess I'm trying to do both, which is to to sense it and to feel it and and, uh, and to connect with it. And at the same time, or a bit time later, perhaps, commenting on it as you were talking. I, um, I think of it as um, tuning in and tuning out mm. that mm. I, I experience the experience of, of being with someone. I have my feelings that come up in response and I, I wonder whether they're my feelings or whether they're relevant to, to the, the relationship or whether they are the feelings of the person I'm, I'm with. Um, and in order to be able to think about that, then I have to sort of tune out a little bit, I suppose, uh, not to stop listening or to, to be present. So there's sort of a balancing of being present and uh, and of course, uh, for me, that I, I think, hopefully, I have a sense of when I I need to be tuned in, that I might be thinking about something that someone said whilst they're still speaking, and and then it'll occur to me what what it is that I need to to say, and I'll say, oh, hold, hold on, sorry, sorry, um, a few minutes ago, you you mentioned um, your sister uh, um, and when you were seven years old and, and that's that so sorry to bring you back but there's something there that um that, that occurs to me so i i'll have tuned out for a bit but then i'll be back but having said that if i'm thinking about the sister for example and then i hear something else which which seems key then then i will kind of if you like i'll be i'll be back there as well how is that how is that a boundary violation it seems to me that's that's part of your job yeah why why do you say boundary violation well in the sense that um i i guess i would interpret 
I do interpret a boundary violation as in um, either calling somebody out on something, um, unconsciously insulting them, or um, I did, and I do point out people's clothing, clients' clothing, and how it um, in t how it uh, affects the issue we're talking about. If they're trying to present one thing and their clothing is something else, then I'll point that out to them in my in my in my opinion, and that will upset some people. And I, and I guess that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of boundary crossing, I guess I'm talking about, because the other boundary crossing, of course, is the, 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 the connecting one, the intimate one, one where you get too close. So what you're, what I interpret you as talking about is the natural moving the, the um, sense of attention, the focus of attention. Mm. But I'm, I guess in, in my interpretation, boundaries are about intentionally or otherwise saying something that is not expected or going against uh, the the agreement of politeness and i have said to some of my clients that they are lying to themselves and lying to the world calling them out in quite strong terms sometimes and that deliberately if you like crossing a boundary in a behavioral um sense mm. uh, i am um, i think of uh, how uh, different things are okay for different people mm -hmm. that um for, for, for you could say something to one person and it might be exactly the thing that they connect with and is helpful mm -hmm. you say exactly the same thing to someone else and it could be very difficult and, and yeah. they, they could experience it as um harmful even maybe so th there's something about um, us knowing our boundaries, but also having a good sense as to where other people's boundaries are, and, and how how to um, how to yeah, having a sense of other people, and, and uh, it's not diplomacy. Um, I've heard talk about um, being diplomatic, uh, but that that there's a diplomatic has a sense of uh, kind of act, it's a kind of a purposefulness. Whereas I don't, I don't like to think of my communication as purposeful in terms of trying to do something. I see it very much as a kind of, um, we're working together. Uh, if I see something, I'll, I'll say about it. Um, I'll try to use my understanding of our relationship to, to be able to say it and to, to communicate it in a way that you will find helpful. Mm. Um, if you know somebody has had, for example, a critical parent and, and finds uh, comments very difficult, then to, to go in with comments which you know what they will find critical, if you know that's the case, then, and, well, I'm not sure that's, that's helpful. So I, I like to find the mode of communication and the words which I think will... will will resonate, will be important, but won't, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not setting out to disturb or to upset anyway. Uh, that's, that's, I don't come at it from that perspective. Uh, and I suppose in, in my, my thinking is if, if and when, uh, and it's usually me, because that's my skill, of recognising the boundaries, because very often I'm sure this happens to every therapist and clients hopefully will recognise this, a therapist will say, oh, okay, so 
this means that in these situations you do x y and z and then you do a b c and d and the client goes god yeah that's absolutely right we've recognized the boundaries if you like and we're making them more explicit mm. and that then allows us to sail to take your words earlier on as close as we feel is appropriate and necessary to that boundary and maybe even to cross it in order to show that our client to our client that the violation of a particular boundary actually isn't as painful or as rupturing or as traumatic as they fear it might be and actually that there are other boundaries that are really positive and supportive and healing yes well, I, it's, um, uh, I suppose I, str I struggle with the word violation because um, I, I yes I, I don't well it what I will do is if I've tried many times to say something and, and I, I'm not feeling that it's being heard, then that's when I will go to supervision with it. And I'll say, I've tried saying this, I've tried saying that. And, uh, and so I'll, I'll look for a, a solution. And I'm not averse to, to, um, to saying something which for me, feels because well, with with relationships sometimes i see couples that will um speak to each other in very from for me uh, aggressive ways mm -hmm. and so what i do is i check that out yeah um because some couples that's just how they are together and that's they have no problem with that that's not why they've come to see me so yes i can't always be certain that i know exactly what somebody has finds helpful and unhelpful well that's really interesting because uh, at times i've and you i'm sure you've had this experience as well with couples is saying to one of them this is the experience that your partner's having and you may or may not use the word boundary explicitly there's a mm -hmm. value there or there's an experience there or there's a response there that the other partner hasn't been able to verbalize or explain or the partner you're speaking to hasn't noticed and so therefore we can use boundaries as a way to educate mm. our clients about each other because they've been together perhaps for so long that it's become um, un unconscious and habitual. Uh, yes, there's, there's um, uh, kind of rationally or from a cognitive point of view, there's an acceptance of a, of, of a, a phenomena such as a raised voice. Yeah. But from an emotive point of view, it still always agitates the partner. Yeah. So there's always a sort of um, a bit of a rupture there. There's a, some dissonance there. There's some discomfort. Uh, and that, that, that doesn't help the relationship. And that's about interpretation. What is not only is what is right for the therapist may not be right for the client. Mm. What is right for one couple in the, mm. of the client may not be right for the other one. Mm. And yet that isn't, that isn't observed or it isn't conscious, it isn't recognised. And it needn't necessarily be a cognitive process, it can be a somatic, physical process. And with that comes a meaning and with that, of course, comes an emotional label and then other boundaries get set up. So mm -hmm. recognising that, acknowledging that brings it to the surface and then allows the possibility for change. And, I, and I, I, what, what I think about as you're speaking there is um, how the relationship that we have with our clients is structured in such a way that um, 
things can be dealt with that um, we, we'll be able to, okay, we've, we're at the end of time for today, but let's pick that up next time. Mm. Or um, let's review how things are, are going, what's been helpful, unhelpful for you. What, uh, what did you find difficult mm. to hear? What was nice to hear that we, could, we can review, but we, we operate within a structure where, yes, th things can be picked up and, and talked about. Um, Do you find that people come with a, a client's come with a perception of what, I don't know, is there an expectation of this thing called boundaries? Is there a, a kind of misconception about what they are or how they're going to be applied? Is it like, um, kind of teacher or is it like other um, areas of their life where they're going to be forbidden to do things or well there's a bit of danger at being like psycho babble <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and the, you know what we do is we, we we meet people to have a conversation yeah uh, and uh, the, the conversation will be different in as much as it's about that person uh, uh, and it's about us attending and sharing our experience and also our knowledge of, mm. of, of the concerns that people are, are bringing. But yes, the, the, there is a tendency, I think, for things to get very kind of um, academic and uh, complicated, which, which for some people is, is reassuring and important. And for others, maybe it's overwhelming and disempowering in a way. That um, ultimately, um, what what we're looking for is for someone to understand themselves in, in in the way they want to understand themselves and feel empowered to behave in life as they want to behave. Well, it's, well, it's interesting to take that sense of empowerment. Um, just to take a sideways look at this for a second, when I work with supervisees, I have a um, I think it's a three or four page agreement that mm. sets in very clear words the boundaries of when of their work of when we will meet of what the cost will be of what happens if there's a complaint uh, all those sorts of issues that we both sign because i interpret that relationship as being a a business relationship with my supervisees and yet with my clients it's very much uh as you say it's a conversation so yes these boundary issues come up and there are certain ones we can set out in clarity at the beginning other ones that come up we will deal with as and when they come up i don't know if you have that split yourself between the clients that you see and the, and the supervisees that you see well i no longer supervise ah. um because I, I i something about my boundaries and, and supervision um i have a, i have a, a concern about the word for example yeah. um uh, and what it sets up and what it suggests and, and what power imbalances it may or may not create and so what complications it may or may not create. So I decided a few years ago now to discontinue from supervising um, and I had supervised for, let's see, maybe about 10 years. I started supervising therapists in placement um, many years ago, uh, I, I did really enjoy it, but yes, so for my boundaries, I don't feel comfortable in, in the supervision uh, I, arena. I worked with a colleague of mine and we, we came up with the idea of a consultancy or consultant supervision. Mm. The idea that you, as a professional, 
I'm a skilled professional, I will go to another skilled professional for a different perspective. And mm. boundary would then not to be um, teacher and student, but peer. Mm. Professional. But you go to you mentioned going to supervision earlier on. Mm. So I'm wondering about there you are you I don't know what's the word to use, you you you, you engage. I don't want to use the word submit. You engage <laughs> into this this process. How do you manage those boundaries then between you as the supervisee and your supervisor? I'm very careful about <laughs> where I where I go for my supervision yeah. and the understanding of, of what supervision is. And the uh, yeah, so it's the it's the understanding. Yes, and it takes it takes time, I, I think, to establish a a relationship because I need to be able to speak about my work freely Ooh. and yes, I need to feel comfortable and relaxed. And so that means it has to be a very good in a way, my therapy is being therapized when I see my supervisor. I'm being therapized as a therapist when I see my supervisor. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a very important relationship and a very delicate one in many ways. Delicate. Um, you don't feel it's, you could be robust enough to have a rupture of a boundary and, and still grow from that with your supervisor and, and continue? Um, well, delicate in as much as, uh, delicate in as much as, what did I mean by delicate? Good question, Martin, good question. Delicate. Well, yes, yeah, you need to be able to go back and say, oh, well, you said this last time. Oh, you've just said that, and I'm not certain mm. about that. But I think when I say about delicate, I, I think I mean uh, something about the nature of how delicate things can be spoken about, where delicate things can be brought out into the into yeah. the open, that um, you don't have to think about every word you're going to use. But uh, you, you can do what Freud used to want his patients to do. You can do a stream of consciousness and you, you, you know that uh, actually what's going to be picked out of that is, is kind of what's relevant. Mm -hmm. And that you've got the freedom to do that, which is what we offer our clients, patients, of course, that we want them to be able to just, you know, just say it, speak it out. Yeah. And then we'll look at it. I mean, it's it's simple. Just say the things you don't normally say. Let's look at that. There's there's no judgment here. There's no. Ah, you know. Well, there we are. There are the boundaries, aren't they? Um, and I know that when I trained as a supervisor, mm. um, a number of the research projects or we published research stated that a, a number of large number of supervisees felt very unsafe mm. in supervision because it wasn't a supportive, nurturing. A challenging uh, arena uh, mm. place it was very much a, uh, a a critical where place where the supervisor almost wanted to push the supervisee out of the way and get to the client and so the boundaries there were, were shifting around all the time and it was a very uncomfortable place for supervisees to be so I would echo exactly what you said that trust mm in one supervisor to be able to go along and say, well, I think I messed up here. Mm. Oh, I think it is really great. And to then and, listen. And, um, it, uh, it is something that we, we, we learn of, of course, that if we're lucky, we, we've been able to have very many supervision 
experiences and arrangements and uh, um, I probably, I, I can think probably about a dozen different supervisors over the years and different types of supervision, group supervision and peer supervision mm -hmm. and training supervision and organizational supervision. And I think what you, you, you learn is that sometimes uh, there is an external pressure on the supervision. Yeah. It can be an organizational one. It can be a, yeah, it can be a contextual one. A financial so that's, one. Sorry? A financial one. A financial one. And so, yeah, so kind of, we have an ethical responsibility to find a supervision arrangement, which means that we, we feel, feel that we're able to speak freely. Well, maybe that's a, a separate podcast in itself on supervision. And we got to this place because we were talking about the boundaries and how we try and hold our clients through these, these difficult things. And you said it's about creating a space whereby it can just be said because the boundary is we're going to hold it. Mm. And without judgment. Mm. Yes. And we, we often say that. And yet I suspect the whole, the, par, the whole point of these sort of boundary violations or crossovers or tensions is where we're not sure where the boundary is or we're not sure if we're able to hold it. And, and how we navigate, yes, how we navigate that. Mm. So um, I remember once seeing in a training a facilitator asking a question and the person not wanting to answer and the facilitator asked again in a different way and the person still didn't want to answer and and then there was a a, a conflict that arose some anger and the facilitator said well um, can we agree that it's okay for you not to answer my question but it's also okay for me to ask questions and so there was an attempt then to to reach a, an understanding and that, that, that encompassed both people. And I, I think that's what we end up looking to do. And um, for our clients, patients, to be able to do that themselves, that when they come across situations they're not comfortable with, that there's, um, there's a way to, to find a way forward. Yeah, and maybe how we, how we create and change and recognise boundaries in our own lives, outside of the therapeutic space. Uh, we mm. notice the changes that are happening and as we grow and mature hopefully those boundaries will change and we'll recognize that and some will like and some some we won't like and some will be imposed and some we will create ourselves uh, um, yes <laughs> and talking of boundaries a time boundary is now <laughs> on us so um i notice when i talk with other colleagues or with colleagues about boundaries especially in training normally it's the kind of extreme end that gets talked about and i think mm. we forget about the day-to-day -day ebb and flow if you like of boundaries that perhaps are flexible but that we don't recognize that and part of our work i think as you were talking about engaging and disengaging um, uh, tuning in and tuning out was the phrase you used mm. to notice how those boundaries are developing and where we need to allow them to develop 
and heal and change and where we need to step in and say, actually, no. Oh, where, where, we, where we bring things into, into, the, into the open, make things explicit. That, and that's, that's a boundary that we've established is that, yes, whilst you're, whilst you're here, whilst we're here together, we, we will be looking to bring things out which may have not been revealed before. Or may be consciously hidden. Mm. These aren't the things that one is supposed to talk about. Well, in therapy, we don't know that unless we talk about them. Mm. And then we ask why, what's the benefit? Mm. And, and all from the perspective, of course, that it's, um, this is a, a humane and compassionate endeavour, mm. something which can heal pain and to help people enjoy their lives more. And for some people um, who've been abused as children, reinforcing mm. a boundary of their right to protection of their right to love of their right to safety mm. actually gives them a different perception and can heal their pain sometimes reasonably quickly mm. reinforcing that boundary yes yeah it's very powerful as a as a healing uh a healing a point of healing it's very powerful as a point of healing yes and i noticed that between our our different styles because you like to be in the moment, and I'm the one that holds the boundaries and says, here we are now at time. <laughs> <laughs> if you're happy with that, <laughs> are, there more things, are there more things that you want to say? Well, if we've reached your boundary, I'm fine with that. Which <laughs> <laughs> is only my boundary. You know, I guess we could go on talking for hours, but our, ourselves and our audience will probably get bored after a while. Uh, yeah, well, well. Their boundaries. Yeah, well, yeah, their boundaries. Mm. They may have switched off ages ago, who knows? But we hope mm. they're still with us. Mm. Well, uh, as I was here to talk to you, it's not much point me carrying on if you've had enough. Because <laughs> 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 I won't get much out of that myself. So <laughs> your boundary is also my boundary. <laughs> well, like, yes, I hope it's our boundary. But isn't, yeah. On this occasion. On this occasion. <laughs> good. Good. good stuff. Excellent. All right, super. Thank you for downloading our podcast, Therapist Talking Therapy. In our next podcast, we'll be looking at loneliness and how we cope with loneliness and what it means for us and how we as therapists work with loneliness. We look forward to your company.